Okay. Welcome to Progressive News Network's uh, Sunday show. My name is Janine Moloff. I am the producer and your host. Uh, if you noticed our advert this week, you saw the headline, Biden, comma, the hot mic, and yes, Fox News is a bunch of lying, I won't say the phrase, SOBs, son of a biscuit eater, shall we say. Now, before we get into this show, I have to be a little more cautious because, um, and I wanted to let the audience know that Blog Talk Radio apparently is not below threatening to censor and apparently threatening to censor progressive voices. You know, while rap artists that are featured on the show, whatever, can use multiple uh, inflammatory and, shall we say, colorful metaphors we used to call cuss words, like every other word, uh, apparently if you're a progressive news slash uh, editorial show, you can't use hardly any of those words ever, which, again, the hypocrisy, mind-boggling. <clears throat> so once again, you know, when Trump was in office even, you know, he could let loose with the, again, colorful metaphors calling people an SOB, yada, yada, yada. Never once was he threatened, but that's the difference between the rich and the powerful and the rest of us slobs, okay? You know, we have to follow the rules. The rich and powerful do not, apparently, and that is the ultimate hypocrisy. So and the reason I'm talking about this is that I, when I attempted to log into the account, which, you know, we pay for, I noticed that the, I received a notice saying the account had been disabled. There was no explanation as to why the account for Progressive News Network had been disabled. Um, and it, I was actually trying to log in to get ready to do my environmental show. It just said that. And it wouldn't let me log in. And when I tried to contact uh, Blog Talk Radio, it was, there was no mention, you know, in terms of their frequently asked questions, what happens if you get this type of notice. So... I waited the rest of the day, and then later on the day, I was able to basically you know, log in quite well. I noticed it was shortly after I complained about it on Facebook. So, you know, once again, I found that to be peculiar. Um, and, you know, when I do make accusations on air, it's always documented and fully and fully documented and with credible sources. So I really don't know what their problem was. But I can tell you right now that Progressive News Network, most likely, along with the Environmental Justice Report, that we may very well look for another um, provider for online podcasting. I'm just saying it, okay? I will not be censored, especially when I'm telling the truth. So it's it really sounds silly to say, yes, Peter Ducey, you know, Biden had this hot mic moment, and Fox News, along with Peter Ducey, who's one of their, in air quotes, news reporters, is a dumb SOB or, a, or son of a biscuit eater when we know that we want to say he's a dumb son of a bitch. Oops, my bad. It was an accident. No, it wasn't. Okay, I really think it's absurd. But when Biden had this off-color moment, you know, Peter Ducey had asked this question about inflation that had nothing to do with what Biden was holding a press conference for. It was 
irrelevant, and it was a stupid question. And, you know, the microphone was still on. That's what we mean by a hot mic. And it caught Biden saying, can you believe that dumb son of a bitch? End quote. People at, at uh, Blog Talk Radio, it's a quote. The president said it. And so it turns out that Peter Ducey has a history of asking stupid questions. All right. So when Biden had this unfortunate hot mic slip up this week, you know, as I said, he thought the mic was turned off. Um, you know, we all have these private moments, and while they're undiplomatic, honestly, it was just plain funny because Biden said what every progressive has always known. Frankly, I'd like to see President Biden be more brutally honest, um, you know, especially aimed towards treasonous turncoats like Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema. Come on, President Biden. Just be real for once. Stop trying to be collegial and be real. You'll get more done. So this week, one of our stories will deal with the, quote, dumb son of a bitches, end quote, who listened to Fox along with Peter Ducey, who uh, basically reports for Fox. You know, what can we do about a network that used, like Fox or OAN, One American Network, that uses innuendo, misinformation, and let's call misinformation what it is, blatant lies, to push what can only be called propaganda. What, what is our responsibility as members of the public? And how can we demand a return to accountability? Well, one way is to bring back what used to be called the Fairness Doctrine. Now, the Fairness Doctrine allowed members of the general public airtime to offer rebuttal to any story in the news. And unlike the present shouting match we see in the comments section of online print, and broadcast news, and we get an occasional, an occasional uh, pair of crazy callers here. Um, the Fairness Doctrine demanded rebuttal that was based in documented fact. So what happened to this very important tool? Well, you don't have to look any further than the GOP. Ronald Reagan ended it. It was inconvenient for his, you know, trickle-down economics. It was inconvenient for his shining sitting on the hill, filled with political liars. So Ronald Reagan ended it. But, you know, let's kind of consider what a revamped fairness doctrine and a renewed push for accountability, which, you know, balances free speech rights with a return to documented facts and actual journalism. Let's, at the end of this show, let's talk about what, at the end of the story, that is, let's talk about what that might look like. And we will also have, again, I'm going to say another bad word, We'll have our Jackass of the Week segment. Uh, you know, Dr. Rashad Ritchie on The Young Turks, you know, he has his Karen segment. He talks about Karenicity. We talk about incredible acts of what I call jackassery. So let's get started. Now, before all you conservative jerks start crying wolf or unfair, as it turns out, Peter Ducey's been called, Peter Ducey, who reports for Fox, has been called out asking dumb questions before. And as it turns out, he was called out as asking stupid questions from the, um, the late GOP Senator John McCain. So it turns out McCain had his moment with Fox, again, air quotes reporter Peter Ducey. McCain is beyond irked. You can tell if you get a chance to actually look at the, vi the old video. He, he looks beyond irked by the vapid, uninformed questioning coming out of Ducey's oral 
orifice, okay? I think maybe Peter Ducey confuses his oral orifice with his anal orifice. I don't know. Again, it's just a thought. So this video surfaces of John McCain asking Fox News' Peter Ducey why he would ask a dumb question like that. It was stupid. So there's this old clip, and it surfaced, and McCain is heard asking Ducey, why would you ask something that dumb? Now, again, this clip surfaced after President Biden had his hot moment, his hot mic moment. And it was from October 2017. Ducey approached McCain to ask for the senator's comment on his relationship with former President Donald Trump. Now, if you recall, John McCain did break with GOP ranks, and he did vote against a repeal of Obamacare in July of 2017, again, as documented by Business Insider. Ducey asked, quote, has your relationship with the president frayed to the point that you're not going to support anything that he, that he comes to you and asks for, end quote. McCain is frowning, and he said, quote, why would you say something that stupid? Why would you ask something that dumb, huh? My job as United States senator, as a senator from Arizona, which was just reelected to, you mean that I am somehow going to behave in a way that I'm going to block everything because of some personal disagreement? That's a dumb question, end quote. Okay. So once again, this is an instance where Biden is apparently in good company. And like I said, when he called Peter Ducey a dumb son of, can you believe that dumb son of a bitch? I laughed. I loved it. Because for once, somebody in authority was calling out Fox, and it was about time. Okay. Now, President Biden did something other presidents didn't, though. After this story broke about his hot mic moment, he called Ducey, and he apologized. And I've got a lot more to do than call some infantile um, propagandist on Fox, but he did. Okay? And um, CNN anchor Jim Acosta uh, said this past Monday, according to Twitter, that you know, he and other journalists got called, quote, a lot worse when covering Trump, but, quote, never got an apology. Acosta also said, quote, I don't remember that from the commander-in-chief, so maybe things are a bit, little bit better to some extent. And apparently, end quote, so apparently Ducey just laughed off the comment, all right, and that's just documented again by Business Insider. And on Monday night, um, Ducey said he, Ducey himself said he might have to to embrace the label of, quote, stupid son of a bitch, end quote, as he told Fox News host Jesse Waters that, quote, nobody has fact-checked Biden on the statement, end quote. Now, Ducey himself also told Fox News uh, host Sean Hannity that Biden apologized. And that, again, is documented by Business Insider. Again, every time I have to call somebody who works for Fox News, their on-air personalities, Fox News on-air personalities or OAN, One American Network, it galled me to call them reporters or journalists because they're not. At least they're not behaving as such. Let's put it that way. Fox News, in my opinion, along with One American Network, are dastardly propagandists. So the next story actually deals with Fox. And it's commentary, so it's in the editorial section. 
And it was, yes, journalist Amanda Marcotte writing for Salon. And this was on the liars who report at Fox Network. The headline was, quote, January 6th committee just proved Fox News knowingly lies on air, but don't expect their viewers to care. Okay? And there's a a sub-headline that says, Fox News' biggest host privately blamed Trump for the Capitol riot, but told a different story publicly. Now, this was published in Salon December 14, 2021. So, basically, you know, they're talking about the House of Representatives uh, voting to advance what they call contempt of Congress resolution against Mark Meadows, who was Trump's former White House chief of staff. Um, and that and that is according to salon.com. Um, and they were actually advancing this um, contempt of Congress resolution against Meadows because apparently Meadows allegedly stopped cooperating with the probe after Trump, after, quote, Trump engaged in his favorite sport, witness intimidation, and that's according to Salon.com. So the vote was expected, and the committee offered really what can only be described as what Salon calls dispositive proof that, quote, Fox News hosts knowingly and shamelessly lie on air, end quote. Apparently, there were text messages that the January 6th committee received. Again, it's documented by Salon. Um, and this, they received these text messages just before uh, Mark Meadows decided to stop cooperating with the committee. And I'm just going to read straight from this right now. Quote, Fox News hosts like Sean Hannity, Brian Kilmeade, and Laura Ingraham, as well as Donald Trump Jr., all believe Trump was to blame for inciting the Capitol riot and believe Meadows was the only person who could call it off. Yet all these people turned around and told Republican voters the opposite story. After pleading with Meadows for Trump's help, these same Fox News hosts told their audience that the U.S. Capitol wasn't, the U.S. Capitol riot wasn't Trump's fault, that it wasn't really a Trump riot, and that Trump's coup is no threat to democracy, end quote. You can't make this stuff, well, you could make this stuff up, but it would be difficult to believe. So here you have the likes of Hannity, Kilmeade, and Ingraham, even Trump's eldest son, Donald Jr., in private emails saying they knew the riot, first of all, January 6th was a riot, it was an insurrection, they knew it was Donald Trump's fault. But then they go around and lie to the public. Period. Blatant lies. And this article goes on to say, quote, the text revealed on Monday, however, prove that these folks have spent 11 months lying and gaslighting and that not not one of them believes a single word they say publicly about the attempted coup or the Capitol riot. But don't hold your breath waiting for the Fox News audience to express outrage that they've been lied to for 11 solid months. Most of them already know the host and frequent GOP guests on their favorite network are a bunch of liars. That's why the average Fox viewer tunes in. They don't care about the truth. 
They just want to learn the favored lies of the day so they can parrot them and be active participants in the destruction of American democracy, end quote. This is what it said in the actual article. There were quite a few text messages. The writer of this article, Marcotte, said there, there's just too many of them to reveal in this article, but you can read them. Um, and there's a link there to salon.com that should hook you up with that. And, you know, there were some other quotes, like, for instance, Fox, New, Fox host Laura Ingraham texted, quote, he is destroying his legacy. Trump Jr., Donald Jr., eldest son of the Donald, texted that this has, quote, gone too far and gotten out of hand, end quote. Mark Meadows himself uh, replied he was pushing Trump to just call off this whole thing. Trump refused, and that this back and forth between Meadows and Trump went on for six hours. And that's as reported by WashingtonPost.com. So that's not the whole story yet, all right? So while these Fox hosts, these talking heads, and Meadows and Trump Jr., they, they knew the insurrection was Trump's fault. And that was connected to a much larger conspiracy, which apparently they backed, to overturn the election and really to end democratic rule itself. That's not, that's not what they said on air. And we know Fox News, if you will, has broadcast a bunch of what they call, of what Marcotte calls often conflicting narratives about January 6th. Um, there's an article in Salon.com written this past June, titled The Mythologizing of January 6th from Fox News Whining to Ashley Babbitt's Martyrdom. Check it out yourself. Then there's the issue of Tucker Carlson. And let's face it, Tucker Carlson, in my opinion, he may as well just put on a Nazi armband and be done with it. And frankly, you know, good old Tucker probably would benefit from some voice lessons. I mean, my voice doesn't always sound so great, but, you know, I have a legitimate excuse. I have, you know, very severe asthma and COPD. So, you know, this is today this is probably the best my voice is ever going to sound. There's no excuse for Carlson that I know of. In fact, Media Matters, well, which is a media watchdog, uh, MediaMatters.org documented how Carlson switches back and forth between what they generously call contradictory accounts. Um, and that is based on an article from MediaMatters.org uh, titled January 6th Insurrection, Right-Wing Media Have Waged Full-Scale Campaign uh, Covering These Events. So, you know, as Tucker Carlson often does, he paints this, what um, this salon writer calls an alternate reality. And that's as documented by MediaMatters.org. And the article is called January 6th Insurrection, Tucker Carlson's Insurrection Alternate Reality, where, you know, Carl, Tucker Carlson's claiming there was no insurrection. And he pushes this repeatedly disproven claim that, no, white supremacists and neo-Nazis were not involved. 
Um, in fact, to hear Carlson tell it, you know, the, the what we call rioters were instead American patriots. In fact, um, here's a quote from Carlson, and I'll try and raise my voice to his girly pitch. I know that's a little sexist. A mob of older people from unfashionable zip codes somehow made it all the way to Washington, D.C., probably by bus. They wandered freely through the Capitol like it was their building or something. They talked about the Constitution and something called their rights, end quote. Okay, you know what? Tucker Carlson, uh, this statement that I mocked just now has no more credibility than the byproduct that comes out of my dog's asshole. I'm just going to say it. All right? But, again, Carlson claims that, you know, the insurrection wasn't real, it was an act of patriotism, yada, yada, yada. You know, apparently Tucker didn't see the gunfire, the smoke. He didn't see that the police officers that were being, you know, attacked, the one cop that was caught in the door, he didn't see any of that. He saw patriots. But, you know, this whole article by Amanda Marcotte in Salon, what it's really doing is pointing out the fact, the central thing that we know Fox News, and they talk about an oxymoron, Fox News. We know the Fox as well as OAN, which we're going to talk about later, One American Network, they're propaganda, okay? So, in my opinion, white supremacist, neo-Nazi propaganda, period. And their audience watches. They know Fox is propaganda. They know OAN is propaganda. They watch both shows because it is propaganda that they happen to love. These people on the right wing, these viewers, they know the riot was real. They know these people were trying to overthrow democracy itself. They are fine with these personalities lying to them. And what Amanda Marcotte wrote, I'm going to quote again, quote, Fox viewers shouldn't be viewed as innocent dupes, but as active participants in an effort to rewrite reality and stand up a fake story that justifies the insurrection, end quote. And Marcotte goes on to say, quote, lies are what they tune into here, end quote, meaning the average Fox viewer. And it's true. All right? Because it helps these far-right nationalists, these white supremacists, these neo-Nazis, whether overtly or maybe they hide behind somebody else, it helps them rationalize. Not only rationalize what the lies they love, but it also helps them, it gives them permission to lie. And that's what right-wing propaganda does. In fact, um, Marcotte, writing for Salon, explained um, she cited Brooke Binkowski, who is a professional debunker of right-wing propaganda, and Binkowski's book, Disinformation is Permission, Not Persuasion. And to quote Marcotte again, quote, Fox viewers aren't fooled by the lies, generally speaking. What they get out of lies is permission to be liars themselves, end quote. And it's very true, very true. I have a cousin, I'm ashamed to say. And first she watched Fox, and now she and one of her sons was watching OAN. And when you try, and she's a college graduate, 
when you try to point out the discrepancies in what these networks are saying and give documented truth, you hear, yeah, but. She, and when it becomes too difficult for her to listen, then she says, I hate your politics. And when I ask her, what about my politics do you hate? She can't tell me. Well, I know what it is. She hates my politics because I'm anti-racist. She hates my politics because I'm anti-religious um, bigotry. I'm anti-misogyny. I'm anti-homophobia, so on and so forth. That's what it is. And she apparently is fine with those bigotries as long as they give her and her family unearned privilege. What it is. Okay. A little tea just now so I can keep my voice going. And, you know, Marcotte, Amanda Marcotte in her salon article goes on to explain, though, um, that if activists, uh, excuse me, progressive activists and voters, if the Democratic Party wants voters and activists to care, then those voters are going to have to start seeing some serious consequences applied to these insurrectionists and not just to the foot soldiers, um, as again, it's documented in Salon, also the co-conspirators. That means Donald Trump, Mark Meadows. That means John Eastman, the lawyer that crafted this plan in part. You know, all these bigwigs, any members of Congress that aided and abetted Every single one of them should face criminal investigation, prosecution, and yes, conviction and incarceration. And I don't mean for a few months. You know, I don't believe in the death penalty because what they committed was high treason, which calls for that. But I think those that aided and abetted, that, that were involved in the leadership of this insurrection, if convicted with legitimate proof, they should face life sentences with no right, no right to parole, ever. The only way we're going to stop this. Marcotte apparently said the same thing. You know, we, right now we see these co-conspirators, these bigwigs, Donald Trump, John Eastman, all the bunch of them. They are walking around free. According to Marcotte, they are, quote, openly planning another coup while also cooking up various schemes to defraud their own supporters, end quote, according to Salon.com. And Mark, I'm going to quote Marcotte again, where she says, quote, as long as the Department of Justice treats an organized conspiracy to overthrow the government as beneath attention, Democrats can't expect voters to take this seriously. And it's true. So, you know, we need the Attorney General, Merrick Garland, to stop being so damn collegial and do his bloody job. And instead of just focusing on these little guys, Go after Donald Trump. Convict him. Incarcerate him. And make sure he can never run for office ever again. In fact, if it were me, I don't think his kids have any real loyalty to him. Offer the kids the deal. Give up daddy and you won't go to jail. Seriously. What they did was high treason not just against a singular election, but against the right to vote, to have your votes counted, and yes, against the very idea of democracy itself. Okay? 
And as for the writer of the Salon piece I just spoke about, Amanda Marcotte is the senior politics writer at Salon. She's also the author of the book Troll Nation, How the Right Became Trump-Worshipping Monsters Set on, I'm reading this, Rat-Fucking Liberals, America, and Truth Itself. That's her title. Um, she also has a bi-weekly politics newsletter called Standing Room Only. Okay. So we're going to go on here. There is a shorter piece. Uh, and this is in, looks like, give me a second, folks. Uh, Vanity Fair by Beth Levin. Beth Levin. Okay. Get a little more hot tea here. And the headline is, quote, that whole not an insurrection business really blew up in Fox News' face. The network will now need a new reason to claim the attempted coup was not a big deal. Okay? And this is the same thing. It's going over the released text messages, which revealed that, yes, these Fox hosts, these personalities, they all knew in their private, and, and they all knew and wrote in their personal emails that, yes, the insurrection was a big deal. They knew it was a coup. Donald Trump was responsible. And they knowingly lied on air, which could be argued that they are, as a result of their lies, aiding and abetting treason against the United States, which would not be a free speech or free press uh, intrusion. Okay? And that means people like Laura Ingraham, Brian Kilmeade, Sean Hannity, Donald Trump Jr., and yes, I would say Rupert Murdoch himself, as well as his son that runs it. All right? When you knowingly propagandize uh, and you try and play down and lie about an, a proven insurrection, proven high treason against democracy itself, yes, you are, it could be said that you are legally and criminally aiding and abetting those insurrectionists by pushing those lies. Tucker Carlson as well. I'd love to see the Attorney General go after him. Okay. So, you know, this is just going on the same thing, but on air. So let's go through this, okay? So these private emails, they were they revealed by the January 6th committee, and this is according to NewYorkTimes.com, that these Fox hosts were horrified by the attack on the Capitol. They sent messages to the White House to get Donald Trump to stop. But then, you know, and they wrote things like, uh, let's see, it says here, Laura Ingraham, Ingraham wrote an email saying, I guess to Mark Meadows, Mark, the president needs to tell the pe- tell people in the Capitol to go home. This is hurting all of us. He is destroying his legacy. Uh, Brian Kilmeade wrote, please get him on TV, destroying everything uh, you have accomplished. And Hannity said, can he make a statement, ask people to leave the Capitol? Okay. But what did these top stars say on air and through the past year since January 6th? They downplayed and said the insurrection, it really wasn't an insurrection, it wasn't that bad, or they thought it was a false flag event. They tried blaming it on Antifa. Forget the fact there's no such thing as Antifa. Antifa means anti-fascist. There is no group called Antifa. But, you know, when you're talking about the GOP, you're talking about dumb, dumber, and dumbest. 
and morally challenged. But, you know, once again, it goes on, all right? So Tucker Carlson, to, um, to his audience, sarcastically told his voters, oh, it was an insurrection. So how many of the participants in that insurrection have been charged with insurrecting, with sedition, with treason? Zero. End quote. Okay. First of all, I'm not even going to get into it. Ingraham said, uh, again, on air, quote, do you know how many people have been charged with inciting insurrection or sedition or treason or domestic terrorism as a result of anything? Zero. End quote. Now, you can expect that from hacks like Laura Ingraham and Tucker Carlson, but here's Britt Hume, who used to be a legitimate journalist. Britt Hume wrote, quote, this is what he said on, this is what he said on air, quote, here's a thought, and this is through his Twitter, let's base our view on whether 1-6 was an insurrection, on whether those arrested are charged with insurrection. So far, none has been. So Hume's going along with it, and again, Britt Hume used to be a legitimate journalist. Okay? Apparently, when Britt Hume, Hume tweeted that nonsense, he kind of got it back later when 11 people associated with Oath Keepers, which is a right-wing hate group, um, were, yes, charged, according to the Washington Post, with seditious conspiracy. And seditious conspiracy is basically synonymous with insurrection. And the indictment against these Oath Keepers um, let me back up here. The indictment against the founder of the Oath Keepers, a man named Stuart Rhodes, as well as the indictment was against his friends, as well reads as the following. Quote, Rhodes and certain co-conspirators planned to stop the lawful transfer of presidential power by January 20, 2021, which included multiple ways to deploy force. They coordinated travel across the country to enter Washington, D.C., equip themselves with a variety of weapons, donned combat and tactical gear, and were prepared to answer Rhodes' call to take up arms at Rhodes' direction, okay? Um, end quote. Now, since then, Rhodes denied wrongdoing, claimed he was just communicating with his group's members on January 6th to, quote, keep them out of trouble. And he, Rhodes also claimed that those who entered the Capitol and committed these acts, quote, went totally off mission, end quote. So after hearing this statement from the actual indictment against the Oath Keeper's founder, Stuart Rhodes, and several of his co-conspirators, you would think the Fox hosts would issue some sort of retraction for their earlier denials. You would think. I mean, they always demand it, right? Did such a retraction happen? No. Not at all. In fact, that same week, what did Tucker Carlson's uh, show include, quote, an embarrassingly sympathetic interview with one of the people charged with sedition, end quote. According to Mediaite, okay, you can see that on Mediaite.com, Tucker Carlson's interview with Thomas Caldwell, okay? So I'm reading straight from this, per media, media eye. Quote, on Thursday night, Tucker Carlson interviewed Thomas Caldwell, who on the day before was charged with seditious conspiracy in connection storming of the Capitol. The charges were unsealed mere hours before Caldwell appeared on Tucker Carlson tonight. Carlson began that segment by noting his guest is a military veteran and on disability. 
And Caldwell said the following, quote, Tucker, I did not go into the Capitol, and they know it. I'm absolutely outraged. They don't have any proof, and I'm innocent, and we can prove my innocence, end quote. Caldwell also claimed that the Department of Justice is prosecuting him with conspiracy because they don't really have anything to char else to charge him with. Caldwell denied the charges, said his life has been pretty much destroyed. He, to quote Caldwell, quote, you know, this whole thing has just crushed my wife and I emotionally and financially. Now, in a statement, the Justice Department wrote, and this is on uh, www.justice.gov, um, quote, while certain Oath Keepers members and affiliates breached the Capitol grounds and buildings, others remained stationed just outside of the city in Quick Reaction Force, or QRF, and Quick Reaction Force teams. According to the indictment, the QRF teams were prepared to rapidly transport firearms and other weapons into Washington, D.C. in support of operations aimed at using force to stop the lawful transfer of presidential power. The indictment alleges the teams were coordinated in part by Caldwell and Vallejo, end quote. This came from DOJ. Now, did Tucker Carlson probe those allegations? No. In fact, he also decided to leave out the fact that the FBI reportedly reported the following according to MediaMatters.org. The FBI found, this is, Tucker left this out, the FBI found that there was live ammunition as well as receipts for a concealed firearm intentionally built to look like a cell phone. The FBI also reported there was a notepad with a death list on it featuring the name of an election official at Caldwell's house. How in the world? I mean, if you're going to say you're doing news, then you have to really include all the facts. You can have your own spin. You can have a slant. You can have an opinion and call it an editorial, but you still have to face the facts. In fact, there's more. More that Tucker Carlson and these other Fox uh, hosts left out. Per Media Matters, okay, quote, messages made public by the Department of Justice show that Caldwell bragged to unnamed recipients about participating in the attack and that he told people to, quote, Caldwell, quote, storm the place and hang the traitors. Then we heard Pence S, and blank, 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 blank. I, I'm assuming he said then we heard Pence fucked us. Um, had over a million people here. Then the lying media said Trump supporters were breaking through barricades. So I said, if we're going to get blamed, might as well do it. So I grabbed up my American flag and said, let's take the damn Capitol. So people started surging forward and climbing the scaffolding outside. So I said, let's storm the place and hang the traitors. Everybody thought that was a good idea, so we did. We climbed the steps after breaking two rows of barricades when, when the sick got on the parapets and the people in front of me broke through the doors and started duking it out with the pigs who broke and ran, uh, end quote. And then Caldwell goes on to say, quote, then we started stealing the cops' riot shields and throwing fire extinguishers through windows. It was a great time, end quote. What's wrong with dear little nebbish Tucker? Was he just too cowardly, too chicken to air those facts? released by 
the Department of Justice and the FBI. These people had a death list. They had a concealed firearm that was intentionally built to look like a cell phone. What more does it take? But Fox host, whether it's Kilmeade, Ingraham, Hannity, Carlson, they're all denying this. Every single one of them. And the FBI, we found out later, the FBI in their investigation concluded that those progressives known to have Antifa or anti-fascist sentiments, sentiments had nothing to do with this. None were present. But it goes on, okay? The lying propagandists are not merely contained within Fox. They also dominate OAN or One American News. And as insane as it sounds, One American News is allegedly worse than Fox. So where did OAN come from? Well, according to financial documents obtained um, by Reuters, hardly a, a bastion of liberalism, OAN is backed by investment from, you'll never guess, AT&T. How's that for mainstream Nazism? I feel like calling AT&T and saying, ding, 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 can you hear me now? I would urge everybody, if you have AT&T, ditch it. And one more key. So this is a piece written by John Schiffman. And Schiffman is writing for Reuters. Now, before any conservatives scream or start whining, this liberal, Reuters is anything but liberal, okay? Reuters has almost always been pro-business, but they have legitimate journalists, okay? So um, let's look at it. And we know now that Donald Trump, he's mad at Fox, and now OAN is his favorite network. Gee whiz, wonder why. So Schiffman, writing for Reuters, really did a deep dive investigation here. In fact, this is the first of two stories. I'm not going to cover both of them. Um, and what they did was they, re- they dug into court records. Reuters reviewed these court records um, that clearly demonstrated the very intensive role AT&T had in not only creating, but also funding One American News. And One American News, or OAN, is basically uh, the network, if you will, that spreads conspiracy theories. They're totally dedicated to it. In fact, OAN founder and chief executive is a man named Robert Herring Sr. And apparently Mr. Herring testified that the idea to launch OAN in 2013 came actually from AT&T, came from AT&T executives. So it's not like, okay, Mr. Herring is just this awful white supremacist neo-Nazi, which he may or may not be, I don't know. Um, And it's not like he came to AT&T, AT&T came to him apparently. And according to Herring, during a 2019 deposition, court deposition, in other words, that was looked at by Reuters, quote, they told us they wanted a conservative network. They only had one, which was Fox News, and they had seven others on the other left-wing side. When they said that, I jumped to it and built one. 
And since then, according to Reuters, AT&T has been a critical source of funds that directly go to OAN. In fact, according to this, AT&T has provided tens of millions of dollars in revenue, and this is a documented by official court records that Reuters looked up. So I don't have AT&T. I have a cell phone, and I think I have Boost. I'll also check with AT&T. But even if I did, I'd be dropping them immediately. I will not support a corporate structure that is fine with supporting networks that are clearly white supremacist and neo-Nazi. That's it. Okay? So, again, going back to this, apparently, according to the court records that Reuters checked into, AT&T has not only been a critical source of funds to OAN, but according to this quote, 90% of OAN's revenue came from a contract with AT&T-owned television platforms, including satellite broadcaster DirecTV, according to 2020 sworn testimony by an OAN accountant, end quote. Testimony came from an accountant, somebody who actually knows money, knows how to check the records. All right. So what about AT&T? Well, the Dallas-based, and I don't mean to insult people from Texas, but I have yet to see anything good come out of Texas. I'd rather live in Siberia than in Texas. But Dallas-based AT&T, um, besides having mobile phones and an internet provider, AT&T also owns uh, Warner Media. And Warner Media includes CNN and HBO. And then AT&T acquired DirecTV in 2015. So I would urge a lot of progressives to, first, before you cancel, contact these providers and let them know why. Contact AT&T and let them know why. And they'll deny it. They'll soft pedal it. All they care about is money. And that's the only way you can get their attention, it seems. Um, so let's look at this. So apparently, according to this Reuters piece, uh, a spokesman for AT&T, a man named Jim Greer, refused to comment on the, test, the court testimony about OAN's revenue stream. And Mr. Greer's excuse was confidentiality agreements. Mr. Greer went on to claim that DirecTV broadcast, quote, many news channels that offer viewpoints across the political spectrum. He goes on to say, quote, we have always sought to provide a wide variety of content and programming that would be of interest to customers and do not dictate or control programming on channels we carry. Any suggestion otherwise is wrong, end quote. Well, here's the thing. When these, this, this various content basically incites people to violence, when it, when it carries programming that is clearly violent, white supremacist, and neo-Nazi propaganda, then yes, AT&T is legally, legally liable. They're giving them the money to stay on, on air. And to claim that we have a wide variety. Mr. Greer apparently is claiming that baseless false equivalency fallacy. And that's what it is. There's no false equivalency here. You can't compare 
the Young Turks or Rachel Maddow with the likes of Fox or OAN. You just can't. There is no false equivalency here. You can't compare the left wing and anybody who makes some errors there with what can only be called the white supremacy and neo-Nazism of the right wing and the GOP of Trump. You just can't. So for Mr. Greer, who is basically a spokesman for AT&T, to claim that there is this false equivalency and we have all these different viewpoints, I say, bullshit. That is pure nonsense. That is exactly the type of messaging, very similar to what Nazi propagandists did building up to the Third Reich. There is no false equivalency here. AT&T pushes these shows because they know these viewers will tune in and it means money. And they don't, AT&T doesn't give a whit about whether or not these programs create and, and enforce the white supremacist and neo-Nazi to become more powerful. It's all about the Benjamins. But AT&T and Mr. Greer are both mistaken, and they need to talk to the legal eagles. They're both mistaken if they think they can claim the false equivalence argument and claim, you know, it's the Pontius Pilate excuse. I wash my hands. My hands are clean. I have nothing to do. My, that blood isn't, that lamb's blood isn't on my hands. Hogwash. Of course it is. If you provide the crucifix and the nails and the lynch mob, then guess what? You can't just wash your hands and claim that you don't have blood on your hands. Doesn't work that way. And AT&T can be poten- held potentially legal liable, both civilly and possibly criminally, for sponsoring these shows that clearly incite, incite people to violence, that incite white supremacy and neo-Nazism. And my rant against it, I'm not telling people to go and attack. I'm telling people, cancel your contract, let your voice be heard, and I'm telling people, demand legal accountability. Speak to your friends and relatives that are going the wrong direction and finding they like white supremacy and neo-Nazism. So once again, Mr. Greer couldn't be more wrong. So after the story was published, the Reuters writer also said that AT&T issued a statement claiming that they, quote, never had a financial interest in OAN success and does not, quote, fund OAN, end quote. Now, the contracts are confidential, and especially in the court filings that um, Mr. Herring, the, you know, the CEO cited, but the, con- the contracts included monthly fees uh, included in one five-year deal with AT&T. Now, according to this AT&T filing that really did cite Mr. Herring's numbers, the fees that OAN would receive from AT&T would total about approximately $57 million. Now, Mr. Greer, the AT&T spokesperson, said that the figure is inaccurate, but he refused to say how much AT&T has paid to keep OAN, to put OAN on the air and keep them there. And the only excuse Mr. Greer said once again is he cited a non-disclosure agreement. So here you have the CEO, Mr. Herring, saying, yeah, we get all these funds from AT&T and, you know, 
in a five-year period, probably about $57 million, okay, in court filings from Mr. Herring, from the man who's in charge, the CEO of OAN. And then you have AT&T spokesman saying, no, no, we don't do that, and that figure's inaccurate, but then excused himself from saying anything more, calling it a non-disclosure agreement. It's ridiculous. And OAN has become a favorite of the Donalds. Okay. Trump tweeted on December 1st, quote, hope everyone, everybody's watching OAN right now. And that was because of a report about a truck carrying more than 100,000 fake ballots, supposedly. Um, and Trump goes on to tweet, other oh, media, afraid to show. What total, total nonsense. Now, it goes on to say in this Reuters piece, quote, the state and federal court documents reviewed by Reuters detail a lucrative relationship for OAN with AT&T, even though, end quote, even though the two did tangle in court occasionally. Um, and the records included uh, an alleged uh, reported offer by AT&T to, quote, acquire a 5% equity stake in OAN and AWE, I don't know what that is, um, but apparently the two signs did sign a different deal. Um, the court filings also included a promise by OAN to, quote, cast a positive light, get this, cast a positive light on AT&T, end quote, during newscasts. Now, again, these confidential OAN financial records were collected in part by the testimony from OAN uh, big boss Herring and the accountant. And these re financial records were generated, they were brought because there was a labor lawsuit that was brought against OAN by a former employee. And it was really ironically unrelated to AT&T. But, you know, when that case came, when this labor lawsuit against OAN came to court, Again, unrelated to AT&T, the network's lawyer, OAN's lawyer, told the jury that basically AT&T was keeping their network, you know, afloat. Um, the lawyer, OAN lawyer Patrick Nellis, uh, according to the court transcript, said the following, quote, if Herring Networks, for instance, was to lose or not be renewed on DirecTV, the company would go out of business tomorrow, end quote. And DirecTV is owned by AT&T. So, you know, once again, and there's been some other researchers that have tracked um, the rise of, you can call them conservative media pillars. I'll call them conservative propagandists. People like Rush Lim, the late Rush Limbaugh, as well as Rupert Murdoch and Fox News. They, these researchers see some very eerie similarities between the rise of Limbaugh and Fox News and OAN, as well as some other right-wing networks that are coming around the bend. Um, there was the director of the Annenberg Public Policy Center at the University of Pennsylvania, uh, Professor Kathleen Hall Jameson, said the following, quote, if somebody recognizes there's a market for something and there's a lot of money attached to that market, you get a news outlet, end quote. Except that's really not news. That's propaganda. And Ms. Uh, director Jameson also said that the dubious birth of Fox News and OAN both share common threads, namely money and opportunity. 
And she also quoted the late uh, Republican Wheeler Dealer, Roger Ailes, um, who realized back in the 1990s to suggest that Fox create this big conservative news, if you will, network. Um, Kathleen Hall Jameson went to say, quote, if somebody, rec- well, I just said, if somebody recognizes the market for something, there's a lot of money attached to the market, you get a new outlet. So this is AT&T playing the Roger Ailes role, and it's true. And, you know, after the head of the Annenberg, get this now, Kathleen Jameson is the director of the Annenberg Public Policy Center at the University of Pennsylvania, very fine university. What does the AT&T spokesman, Mr. Greer, have to say? He called the comparison, in other words, comparing AT&T to Roger Ailes when Ailes created Fox or helped create Fox, let's put it that way. He called the comparison, quote, a ridiculous claim. And his excuse was that there were other distributors that also carry OAN. So what? But those other distributors don't fund direct, don't fund the main, the main bulk of OAN's funding. AT&T does. So, you know, once again, OAN caters to this extreme audience. This, you know, the white supremacists, the neo-Nazi, you really can't separate the two. Um, so, you know, once again, this is what we're dealing with here. Now, there's more. Um, let's see now. You also have the um, opinion of John Watson, who is an American University journalism professor, and Professor Watson specializes in ethics and media law. And Professor Watson, when it comes to OAN viewers, has the following to say, quote, if you have 12 Americans being fed a diet of untruth, that's 12 too many. And here it's literally millions. When you have that sort of poisonous influence on mass media, it's a problem. Because elections in the United States tend to be so close, a few percentage points here or there can really make a difference, end quote. So, you know, once again, um, we have, okay, sorry, I'm supposed to kind of <laughs> lost my place here. So we also have OAN's former Washington Bureau Chief, Neil, a man named Neil W. McCabe. Mr. McCabe is now the national political correspondent for the Tennessee Star. And Mr. McCabe, quote, rejects the idea that the network is a toxic influence. Okay? He said OAN serves an important public role and has earned loyalty from viewers who share a similar worldview. To quote McCabe, quote, when you give a voice to the voiceless, you're going to bond with them. Who else is doing these stories? Well, I don't know what reality looks like in Mr. McCabe's world, and if I were uh, his boss at the Tennessee Star, I would wonder about him, frankly. Um, the white Christian majority are hardly voiceless. You know, but then again, when you're used to quite a bit of unearned privilege, any attempt to, to basically bring equity to the system and equalize things may feel like um, like you're being attacked, 
like you're being deprived. It may feel like extreme deprivation, but it's not. It's just correcting the situation because you had unearned privilege that you did not deserve. And it was basically granted to you at the expense of others. You know, again, this Reuters piece took uh, took uh, took exception at Mr. McCabe's claim, and what and they did their work, and the Reuters story found out that in many instances, several in fact, the actual records show that the OAN broadcast statements and theories um, that were proven false, um, several of them. Uh, for example, YouTube demonetized demonetized um, the YouTube OAM channel. In other words, when you're demonetized on YouTube, it means you're not allowed to make money off of your programming. Uh, and YouTube doesn't, YouTube doesn't, excuse me, YouTube doesn't do that very often. But apparently the OAM YouTube channel was so bad and so, um, so crossing, not only an ethical but a legal threshold, that YouTube demonetized them. That's serious. And why did YouTube demonetize them? Uh, for several things, including, quote, repeatedly violating its COVID-19 policy, which prohibits content claiming there's a guaranteed cure, end quote. Apparently, OAN is pushing uh, that anti-malarial drug hydrochloroquine that Trump likes, but they're not presenting any scientific evidence, you know, as a cure for COVID, and they're not presenting scientific evidence because there really isn't any. Um, Apparently, on YouTube, another thing was that during last summer's Black Lives Matter protest, OAN aired this story that was unconfirmed, and it was reported that this elderly demonstrator in Buffalo, New York, that had been knocked down and injured by police was, quote, trying to jam the cops' radios, end quote. And then Trump himself, the Donald, cited that specific story in a tweet and said to the man, quote, could be an anti provocateur, end quote. So then Trump's false accusation along with OAN's false accusation went viral. And to quote from this Reuters story, quote, in the two days after the OAN broadcast, one-third of all online references cited the network. Um, an analysis compiled by, uh, let me go ahead. Two days after the OAN broadcast, one-third of all online references cited the network, end quote. And that, was, uh, as, and that was from an analysis that had been done by Zignal Labs for Reuters specifically. Um, and then you have January 6th. What did OAN do there? Well, an OAN news director sent an email where he cautioned staff to, quote, please, in big letters, do not say Trump supporters storm capital. Simply call them demonstrators or protests, and then be all caps. Do not call it a riot! Exclamation point! Exclamation point! Exclamation point! End quote. And then a day later, the big boss at OAN, Mr. Herring, made the suggestion that the riot could be a false flag operation and blamed Antifa once again. Um, and then basically in an email, Mr. Herring emailed OAN producers the following, quote, we want to report all the things Antifa did yesterday. I don't think it was Trump people, but let's investigate, end quote. Except there's nothing to it. The FBI, based on a pretty, pretty thorough investigation, the FBI said there was no evidence that Antifa had any involvement in the riot. 
And I think the FBI went on to say that all except maybe a handful of the 600 suspects that have been charged to date have been right-wing Trump backers. Okay? But OAN apparently doesn't care about the facts like Fox. All right. Um, in fact, five former OAN producers said in interviews um, claimed that some of the um, reporters crossed an ethical line as they raised funds for events that they covered. Okay. Uh, apparently, Marissa Gonzalez, an OAN producer from 2019 until her resignation in 2020, said the following, quote, it was, if there was any story involving Trump, we had to only focus on either the positive information or basically create positive information. It was never, never the full truth, end quote. Okay, that, that's an admission of being a propagandist. What more does it take? And then, of course, you have Mike Lindell, the My Pillow guy, who, you know, loves doing his infomercials on OAN. Um, I'm not even going to get into that. It's just so stupid. Seriously. So let's move on. All right. You get the idea here. All right. Um, let's see. There's more, and I'll probably deal with it in another show. Um, it deals with actually the history of OAN. I'm not going to get into all that today. Um, but, you know, you can check it out yourself. An additional reporting done by Reuters, special report, how AT&T helped build far right One American News. Now we have from The Guardian, which is a British newspaper, and this is a piece written by Bobby Lewis. And the headline is, I watched Fox News every day for 44 months. Here's what I learned. And the subtitle is, as a media critic, I've had an intimate look at the channel's morning show and how it poisons the national conversation, end quote. And so this person goes into, you know, that steady diet of Fox. So we went, first we talked about Fox, then we went to OA, and now we're going back to Fox again because Let's face it, they're pretty much interchangeable. Um, and one of the things this writer put is that at Fox News, no surprise, quote, opinion is king, not news. Well, anybody, in my opinion, with a shred of integrity and at least the intellectual level of the average eight-year-old knows that. All right, it's, it's rather rather obvious. Um, you've got Fox and Friends. I, I, that title just drives me crazy. Fox and Friends. Newsflash. When I'm listening to news, I don't want them to be my friends. I want them to be journalists. But, you know, once again, you're talking about people like Steve Ducey, Ainsley Earhart, and Brian Kilmeade. It's an opinion show, right? But, the separate news side, according to the Guardian piece, is that it also lies daily. And that's according to, again, MediaMatters.org. Um, so let's move on here. Fox News, among other things, quote, editorially taints other news media outlets. 
This is some of the damage it does. Um, basically what they're saying is that it really corrodes politics because it, as it influences this bigger national conversation because other leg, somewhat legitimate news uh, groups, they're actually finding they have to rebut what Fox says, which gives Fox more coverage. Maybe it's not good coverage, but it is. Um, Fox News, this writer found out, no surprise, main, mainstreams white supremacy. And it does. And this is uh, one of the things that I find so incredibly just enraging, okay? Um, according to this writer, uh, Fox has rightly earned, quote, rightly earned a reputation as a cable TV haven for white supremacy, end quote. And it's true. It does. I mean, they hammer away on immigration. Among other things, Fox claimed that, um, you know, whether it's Fox News or Fox and Friends plays a prominent role, they claimed that the U.S. was under invasion by undocumented people, undocumented immigrants. And they really specifically focused on, you know, Central American migrants, according to Vox.com, that these are people that walked, for the most part, over a 1,000 miles to cross into the U.S. from the Mexican border. You know, this writer uh, includes that in one week, Fox ran nearly eight hours of content on the then-distant caravan, end quote, and that's according to MediaMatters.org. Um, Fox and Friends, quote, started nearly every morning with anti-immigrant hysteria, um, and they, event, they suggest the U.S. might want to take military action to protect our sovereignty, to protect our sovereignty against what? These are families that are running away from either gang violence and or endemic poverty. I mean, there's, again, there, there's no evidence that these people, you know, are criminals, but it gets worse and more blatant. To quote from this, this Guardian article, quote, the very day after that comment aired on Fox and Friends, okay, the one about military action for, uh, to protect our sovereignty against these violent, uh, undocumented immigrants. That day, after that quote, after that comment aired on Fox and Friends, a white supremacist murdered 11 Jewish worshipers of the Tree of Life synagogue in Pittsburgh because he blamed Jews for helping the invaders in the caravan. And that's according to CNN.com. Okay? But this caravan hysteria keeps going on. And they keep talking about these immigrants as an invading force. And the article goes on to say, quote, some months later, yet another mass shooter struck this time, struck this time murdering 12, I'm sorry, let me go again. Quote, some months later, yet another mass shooter struck, this time murdering 20 in El Paso to stop the Hispanic invasion of Texas. Kilmeade passionately defended using the dangerously hyperbolic term invasion just three days later, end quote. Okay. Another point that this writer from The Guardian says is Fox News is, quote, about defending our viewers from the people who hate them. Okay. And this is where Fox goes on and, you know, gets on this tangent that, you know, don't you know these, these false allegations, you know, that, uh, conservatives are going to be censored in social media, and that, quote, the Dems are coming for your guns, 
things of this nature. Um, and, you know, it just goes on to what this writer calls a longstanding culture of conservative victimhood, again, as documented by Washington Post. And, you know, you can see that, okay, conservatives, and when I say conservatives, for the most part I mean white Christians, more traditional, they see any inclusion of other of other communities, other ways of being as attacking them. They see themselves as victims because, like spoiled children, they can't have their way on everything. That's what it boils down to. Um, you know, another point that the Guardian writer put out is that Fox News poisons viewers' minds. Well, yeah, again, pretty obvious. Um, and you know, I can speak to that. I have, most of my family does not watch Fox News or OAN. Most of my family, they are either centrist or progressive. But, again, I have that one cousin. You know, she has two sons. And, um, you know, she believes this crap. She just does. And we don't talk anymore, ever. Because... You know, once again, there's such cognitive dissonance. It, it, it's the relationship has evolved from one that was very loving to, um, you know, because I consider her like a sister, to now, you know, I'm pretty sure she really hates me and regards me as the enemy. And that's what's happened. This is, you know, a lot of conservatives are just saying they're just fearful. You know, there's a second civil war coming. Well, no, I would disagree. I would say that the Civil War never truly ended. And the only reason that things are coming to a more fevered pitch now in recent years is because those of us on the political left are refusing to accept this systemic abuse that we suffer at the hands of white Christian conservatives. And we decided to fight back. That's all. And I can say, coming from the Midwest, in St. Louis, you know, I am a Ferguson um, protester. I can say that there is nothing meaner than a racist bigot that you dare to get uppity with. They just, that, and when you get what they consider the uppity, standing up for your rights as a human, that enrages them more than anything else. And that's what we're dealing with. Okay? So, you know, this is what we're dealing with here. So when Biden had his hot mic moment and he called Peter Ducey, you know, basically said, quote, can you believe that stupid son of a bitch? You know what? I say, bravo, Mr. President. You said what the rest of us were thinking, and we wish that you would just do more plain talking like that, and call out these bigots once and for all. Stop playing patty cake with them. Collegiality, civility, you know, being able to work across bipartisan lines sounds fine. Or, you know, playing the peacemaker. I've heard some progressives say, let's, let's find a way to, to, to bridge these gaps. Well, you know what? That sounds lovely if you're dealing with a side, if your opposition is populated by people that actually have integrity and are honest. But that's not the case here. The conservatives here that we're dealing with 
really do believe the ends justify the means, that childish belief. And when you're dealing with people that believe the ends justify the means, there is nothing they won't do to get their way. Of course they'll lie. Of course they'll cheat. Of course they will do all sorts of unjust things because they believe they have a right to dictate. And they have no intention of ever playing by the rules because they don't see the rest of us as equal, worthy of the same rights they receive. So to talk about bipartisanship or civility or collegiality is a fool's errand at this point in time. And it will be, I predict, for some time to come until the far right, until conservatives prove that they can be trustworthy. And I mean, we're talking some time has passed where they where they prove that they can be trustworthy. Otherwise, no. We have a right to defend ourselves and defend our rights. And, you know, Harry Truman, he did some things I didn't agree with, dropping the bomb, for instance, but he did that basically plain talking and, yes, he cussed. But he also knew how to get things done. He wasn't afraid to use power, and I wish Joe Biden would borrow a page from that. Are you listening, President Biden? I don't believe that Joe Biden is a bad person. I believe that he is rather clueless. He has been a white Christian male of white Christian male privilege, and he truly does not get it. But he needs to, because what more does it take? These insurrectionists attacked the Capitol. They had a hit list. They intended to murder government uh, officials. There's plenty of evidence to prove it. And there's evidence to prove that, yes, Fox News and OAN, they, especially Fox, they knew this was wrong in their own emails, and yet they acted as cheerleaders for this. That's aiding and abetting. They're both civilly, and Fox is both civilly and criminally liable. And we need to find some attorney generals that have spine and cojones to go after, and I don't just mean go after Kilmeade and Hannity and the others. Also go after Rupert Murdoch and his whole damn family. Seriously. Because why do they do this? Because it makes money, and they don't care who it hurts. So that's our big story for today. And, And one other thing, I talked earlier about how we really need a return to the fairness doctrine, and we do. All right? That's not going to happen until we get enough groundswell uh, uh, people that are willing to not just petition but pressure for that. You know, the public airwaves are just that. They belong to us. And we have allowed corporate to take over everything. You know, there's a, a term for that. It's called corporate capture. And the fact is Ronald Reagan and Congress had no damn right to end the fairness doctrine. Those of you that are millennial or or younger don't remember this, but, yeah, somebody, just a plain person could get on, for instance, here in St. Louis, uh, the local CBS affiliate, and they would be on air giving their rebuttal, their idea about something. Now, all the stations had to provide it, no exceptions. And it did actually have an impact, big in terms of fighting conservative lies. That's why Reagan went after it. We need a return to the fairness doctrine. We need a return to, yes, I believe in a vigorous 
free press. But by the same token, we need to hold newsmakers accountable. All right? You can have an opinion. You can have a slant. But, you know, even when I do a show, if you notice, I'll say, as documented by, and I list the source. When I publish, nowadays my publishing home is at BuzzFlash, again, I definitely have a slant. But even in my editorials or my op-eds, there is a boatload of documentation, more so than the average news story even usually. That's what journalists are supposed to do. It is not supposed to be a tea party. It is not supposed to be entertainment. I really don't care if the local uh, newscaster has a friendly demeanor. And, you know, you'll hear the excuse, we come into your living rooms and once you be comfortable. No, I want news. I want hard news. I want journalism. I don't want to be their friend. I have friends. I don't need that phony nonsense that takes up airtime because they don't, they don't allow their journalists to actually commit the act of true journalism or they don't have actual journalists. Enough's enough. So yes, we need to return to the fairness doctrine and we need it yesterday. And we can demand it and we must. And for that matter too, I think we need, we have public broadcasting, but I think we need the equivalent that the British have on the BBC. We need an outlet that will air news, and real news that is, okay? We also need a return to net neutrality. You know, net neutrality is that idea that all content online gets the same speed to appear in your searches and everything else. Net neutrality was jacked and dumped. And that's why you'll see where, especially with progressive outlets, it takes longer. You don't see progressive outlets like Truthout or Truthdig or Alternet or Op-Ed News, BuzzFlash, um, and so on and so forth. They don't appear in your searches because the logarithm doesn't allow it. And the net neutrality allows those with more money, with deeper pockets, to basically monopolize the faster lane on the information high, superhighway. We must have a return to net neutrality. While the ISPs, the Internet Service Providers, yes, they provide, you know, the way to get online. The Internet itself was developed on the public dime by taxpayers. And we are not getting a good return on our investment. Corporate should be told. You're going to play by this, everybody's going to play by the same rules. And if your content isn't as good as that little guy at Op-Ed News, Newsflash, then you're not going to get that much visit. It's called integrity. It's called fair play. You should try it sometime. All right. So that's our big story. Now we come to really one of my more favorite little uh, features, if you will. Just as I said before, it's Dr. Rashad Ritchie, who I think is phenomenal on the Young Turks, has this, you know, you know, his Karen report. He talks about Karenicity, in other words, uh, privilege. We have our Jackass of the Week, where I talk about outlandish and incredible feats of what I call jackassery. And this week, it's actually a tie. 
It's a tie between Joe Rogan and those who claim, like Joe Reagan, Rogan, that they're, they're not anti-vax, they're anti-vax mandate. You see it on Facebook all the time. These people, like Rogan, are clearly scientifically illiterate, failing to comprehend how vaccines work. Okay, so... You know, we have this one piece. I do have backup and documentation here. It's from Rolling Stone. All right. And it's a piece written by, I lost my place here. Hold on a second. By E.J. Dixon. I almost said Ed. It's E.J. Dixon. And the headline is, quote, a menace to public health. Doctors demand Spotify puts an end to COVID lies on the Joe Rogan experience. The subheadline is, unlike many platforms, Spotify doesn't have a clear policy prohibiting misinformation. 270 physicians and scientists are hoping to change that. So this, this article in Rolling Stone deals with, among other things, this letter that was sent to Spotify and signed off on by... 270 top physicians and scientists. So it starts out with um, this infectious disease epidemiologist and research fellow at Boston Children's Hospital um, named Jessica uh, Malati Rivera. I hope I'm saying that right. Okay. Um, This person debunks health misinformation on Instagram. And she has more than 380,000 followers. And she receives tips from her followers about viral content to, you know, to expose and debunk. And, excuse me, and um, so for those of you who don't understand what an epidemiologist is, an epidemiologist is a scientist physician who, is, who specializes in, uh, excuse me, I'm starting to study here, in communicable diseases, okay, diseases that, basically are highly transmissible like COVID. So that, that pause you heard just now was a disfluency and I apologize. Um, so a few weeks ago, because this article was, post, was published January 12th, so really a month ago, uh, no, a few weeks ago, excuse me, uh, her followers started sending her a link to an episode of the Joe Rogan Experience. Now, for those of you who don't know, apparently the Joe Rogan Experience is, quote, the most popular podcast in the world. And some 70% of his listeners are males, white males for the most part. Um, and basically, you know, Joe Rogan is just this, he's basically telling, he's giving his opinions on things that guys want to hear. There's, there's no documentation, okay? There, there's no logic, nothing. But he has quite a platform, unfortunately. And so the episode that um, Rivera's followers, Dr. Rivera's followers, uh, sent her was included an interview with Dr. Robert Malone. Now, Dr. Malone is a virologist. That's a doctor who specializes in the study of viruses. And Malone also claims that, that he is one of the architects of the mRNA technology. Dr. Rivera um, is familiar with Joe Rogan, but she's also familiar with Dr. Malone. And Dr. Rivera knew that Dr. Malone had been banned from Twitter for promoting COVID-19 misinformation. 
uh, and that Dr. Malone had also undermined the efficacy, the effectiveness of the vaccines. And when she watched the interview on the Joe Rogan experience, Dr. Rivera was just absolutely mortified because she saw that Malone was pushing a bunch of conspiratorial beliefs, everything from the idea that of what they call, quote, mass formation psychosis, um, and that that's responsible for people believing that vaccines work, as well, everything from that to the claim that is um, among anti-vaxxers that, quote, hospitals are financially incentivized to falsely diagnose COVID-19 deaths. And that is as documented again by rollingstone.com. Okay. Hospitals are not financially incentivized to falsely diagnose deaths, uh, COVID-19 deaths. They're just not. But again, the episode that Joe Rogan had featuring Dr. Malone, who is, and Dr. Malone's been discredited, it went viral. Okay? And, you know, Dr. Rivera was also more horrified to discover that people she knew, who she thought were, you know, fairly well-read, were also, as Rolling Stone said, quote, hoodwinked by Malone's patina of academic credibility, considering his views on the vaccine legitimate, end quote. And Dr. Rivera said, quote, when I saw they were falling victims to this, I spoke to some colleagues, and we said something has to be done at this point, end quote. So Dr. Rivera is one of the 270 doctors, physicians, science educators who signed an open letter, okay, uh, calling on Spotify um, to take action against misinformation on Joe Rogan's platform, including the interview that with Dr. Malone. Now, why did they sign a letter directed at Spotify? Well, Spotify uh, owns exclusively the streaming rights to the Joe Rogan experience, and Spotify cut a deal with him, with Joe Rogan, for allegedly $100 million, and that's as reported by TheVerge.com. And Dr. Rivera uh, went on to say, quote, with an estimated 11 million listeners per episode, the JRE, in which Joe Rogan experience, which is hosted exclusively on Spotify, is the world's largest podcast and has tremendous influence. This is according to the letter. I stand corrected, okay? Spotify has the responsibility to mitigate the spread of misinformation on its platform, though the company presently has no misinformation policy, end quote. The letter was also appended with a fact check of all the claims that Dr. Malone presented in his interview on the Joe Rogan experience. And that meant everything from the nonsense mass formation psychosis supposition to Malone's claim that the Biden, informa- that the Biden administration is suppressing evidence support- supporting the efficacy of ivermectin as a COVID-19 treatment. Ivermectin, that's the horse dewormer. Oh, maybe Joe Rogan has really bad worms. Um, so, anyway, to quote, quote, people who don't have the scientific or medical background to recognize the things, in other words, that Malone, he's saying are not true and are unable to distinguish fact from fiction, are going to believe what Malone is saying. And this is the biggest podcast in the world, and that's terrifying, end quote. Now, that quote, just now, so let me back up a little bit here. That quote was attributed to Dr. Ben Ryan who was a neuroscientist at Stanford University, and he also co-authored the letter with Dr. Rivera and some other doctors. So I'll read that quote again. 
This is a quote from Dr. Ben Ryan, who is a neuroscientist at Stanford University and one of the co-authors of this letter. To quote Dr. Ben to quote Dr. Ben Ryan from Stanford, quote, people who don't have the scientific or medical background to recognize the things he's saying are not true and are unable. Let me start again. I'm sorry, folks. I'm getting tired. According to Dr. Ben Ryan, quote, people who don't have the scientific or medical background to recognize things he's saying are not true and are unable to distinguish fact from fiction are going to believe what Malone is saying, Dr. Malone. And this is the biggest podcast in the world, and that's terrifying, end quote. Again, that was Dr. Ben Ryan, neuroscientist, Stanford University, one of the co-authors of this letter with Dr. Rivera to Spotify. Um, but the Malone segment's not the first time that Joe Rogan's been accused of offering a platform for misinformation on his podcast. Um, on April 23rd, 2021, there was an episode Rogan, you know, was discouraging young people from getting the vaccine. And he, he was having a conversation with Dave Smith, who is a comedian. So, of course, a fitness guru and a comedian know more than the doctors, right? And Rogan said, quote, if you're like 21 years old and you say to me, should I get vaccinated, I'll go no, end quote. Now, Rogan has reported these takes ivermectin to treat COVID-19 cyst symptoms. Again, this is craziness, okay? Um, and according to the same April episode of the podcast, um, Quote, Rogan said, quote, this doctor was saying ivermectin is 99% effective in treating COVID, but you don't hear about it because you can't fund vaccines when it's an effective treatment. Um, I don't know if this guy is right or wrong. I'm just asking questions. Well, that's Joe Rogan on the same April episode. So Rogan's also offered a platform to quite a few physicians and academics who have been since discredited that have spoken out against the vaccine. One of the discredited doctors is Dr. Peter McCullough, who's a cardiologist. Dr. McCullough inaccurately claimed that, quote, COVID-19 are experimental and that the pandemic was planned, end quote. And that is according to, um, you know, that's according to Katrine Wallace, who is a PhD and an epidemiologist at University of Illinois Chicago School of Public Health. Um, Dr. Wallace consists, said she considers Rogan, quote, a menace to public health, end quote. She goes on to say, quote, having things like this on the Joe Rogan podcast gives a platform to these people and makes it a false balance. That is, this is what really bothers me. These are fringe ideas not backed in science, and having it on a huge platform makes it seem that there, makes it seem there are two sides to this issue, and there are really not. The overwhelming evidence is the vaccine works and it is safe, end quote. The letter is calling on Spotify to, the letter isn't really demanding um, Rogan's show be taken off Spotify, okay? And it's, the letter's not demanding that Spotify remove the Malone's episode either. Instead, this letter, this, doc, this, this letter signed by doctors and scientists is actually demanding that Spotify quote, develop a comprehensive policy prohibiting misinformation. To quote it, to quote Abby Richards, who's a researcher specializing in misinformation, quote, 
Any podcast that platforms dangerous people, people spreading ideas and misinformation should not be allowed to go unchecked on the Spotify platform, end quote. <clears throat> and so it was Abby Richards who gave Dr. Ryan, who was the neuroscientist at Stanford, the idea of actually creating this open letter and having all these physicians and scientists sign off on it and send it to Spotify, especially if she heard the Malone episode. Um, to quote Richards again, quote, we're not focused on something as small as just one episode or Rogan. They need to implement a policy and carry it out. Okay. Now, it should be noted according to this article, Spotify doesn't seem to have a clear policy on misinformation in, you know, in their terms of service um, information. And in the past, the platform just removed episodes containing misinformation regarding vaccines. Now, Spotify said in a statement to The Verge last April, documented by TheVerge.com, quote, Spotify prohibits content on the platform which promotes, which promotes dangerous, false, deceptive, <coughs> or misleading content about COVID-19 that may cause offline harm and or pose a direct threat to public health. <coughs> Excuse me. When content that violates the standard is identified, it is removed from the platform, end quote. But Spotify has been very hesitant to take any action against Rogan or his podcast. And Rogan's podcast reaches an approximate 11 million people per episode. Spotify also has not included any sort of warning label. I'm sorry. Spotify has not also not included any sort of warning label about any potential misinformation on any of the podcast episodes. Spotify also did not return Rolling Stone's request for comment. So, Dr. Rivera really is saying Spotify has an ethical obligation to do something about this. And to quote Dr. Rivera, quote, considering the role in society is disseminating content, there is responsibility in a global public health emergency to not exacerbate the problem. We have an infodemic going on that is prolonging the pandemic, and it is causing people to make bad choices and actually die. These are preventable illnesses that folks like Joe Rogan and Dr. Robert Malone are directly responsible for, end quote. But let's be honest, Spotify, this is me talking, won't do anything against Rogan because, you know, to borrow a very trite but true phrase, it's all about the Benjamins, baby. And that's the point. Now, there also was a piece of information, an article I found, from the Office for Science and Society from McGill University in Canada. And it was titled Science versus Joe Rogan. Okay? I'm just going to read this directly. Quote, with COVID, Rogan's habit for embracing pseudoscience, I mean false science, and the rugged individual that often puts him at odds with public health landed him in hot water with the media. COVID is no worse than the flu, he'd say. And that's as documented by NBCNews.com. Ivermectin is a perfect storm against COVID. Quote, extremely effective, extremely cheap, and generic. And that's as documented by BetterSkeptics.com. And to go on, and infamously, if you're a healthy 21-year-old, you don't need to get the COVID vaccine. Okay, so then when confronted, Rogan simply says, quote, and this is as documented by on YouTube, 
quote, I'm not a doctor, I'm a fucking moron, end quote. But he's a moron with influence, end quote. And that's the point. So this is, and when you put this hand in hand with those on Facebook that incredulously, incredulously claim they're not anti-vax, they're anti-vax mandates. I swear to God, I want to reach through the screen and smack them, as my, as my colleague said, smack them upside the head for that level of stupidity and dishonesty. They clearly either do not understand how vaccines work or they don't care. You know, vaccines help build herd immunity via immunization or vaccination. But especially when you're dealing with a virus that can mutate, if you do not have the made the majority vaccinate, then the vaccine loses effectiveness. And furthermore, any medical treatments like, for instance, monoclonal antibodies will probably lose effectiveness as well. And what is the cause? Because not enough people immunized. Immunization grants herd immunity, but we have to have, it used to be, I think, 80 to 85% of the population immunized against ACEs. Uh, a certain disease to provide herd immunity. With COVID being so highly transmissible, I would say we need 90%. So when these people say they're not anti-vax, they're anti-vax mandates, they're either stupid or they know they're lying. And I'm calling them out on their jackassery. I do not want to hear it anymore. And the things I've seen on Facebook where once they're called out on it, then the remarks is, well, you know, if people don't take care of themselves, then if they get sick and die, oh, well. There's a level of cruelty that I've seen on Facebook coming from, from these nice ladies, ironically, <clears throat> a level of indifference towards the suffering of others that I have not seen in quite a while. And it's disgraceful. And if these people don't want to be doxxed or outed, then don't put it out there because newsflash, these anti-vax, anti-vax mandate people that are pushing this misinformation, you will be doxxed. You will be doxxed to your family, you'll be doxxed to your employer, and you deserve it because you're prolonging this suffering. Yes, blood is on your hands. So to call you jackasses and uh, jackass of the week is frankly probably too kind. And one last thing here. I also want to call out this specific Tennessee school board that voted to ban a children's graphic novel called Mouse, spelled M-A-U-S. Now, Mouse is a graphic novel that, in other words, it's like a comic book that talks about the Holocaust in a manner that younger children, like I'd say from fifth grade to maybe eighth grade, can understand without being too, you know, overwhelming for them. And there are those who will claim that this act of censorship <clears throat> was based in ignorance. I disagree. As a Jew who lost family in the Holocaust, no. I firmly believe this act of censorship by that school district in Tennessee was totally based in white supremacy and neo-Nazism, period. And I stand by it. So we had a lot to cover. I didn't think my voice would hold out this long. It did. Um, Tune in next week. Uh, there's so much nonsense going on. Uh, it's unbelievable. 
So I hope you all have a good week. And with that, I say good night and, oh, Lord, God bless us.